even if you put in less money, you're going to be better off than the person who starts at age 50. Hey guys, it's your girl, Ashley Graham, and you are listening to Business Life and Coffee Podcast with your boy, Joey Price. Bitcoin, ETFs, stocks, bonds, real estate, business opportunities. The number of investment vehicles you hear and read about on the news these days can be a bit overwhelming. Trusting your own hunches on how to invest your money can be a big mistake. You need advice on where to put your money and grow it for all of life's goals and emergencies. And you also need a plan. So to help you out, I'm joined by Kate Stalter, founder of Better Money Decisions and columnist at sites like Forbes, US News and World Report, TheStreet.com, Seeking Alpha, and on top of this, I think this is my favorite, she's also the host of the America Talks Money financial podcast. I love that it's got the ATM, but I also love that, right. that you're a podcaster too. Well, Kate, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks, Joey. You know, it's funny because I'm actually probably going to rebrand the show as just call it the Better Money Decisions show. Um, and I'll probably just take those same episodes that I recorded for ATM and, and just kind of repurpose them. But, I mean, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're always reinventing ourselves to some degree, aren't we? We are. We are. I mean, I had a business that was called one thing and then I transferred it to being something else when yep. I felt like I was ready to go prime time with it. So I, I totally mm -hmm. know the, the shifting and pivoting. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's necessary. Yeah. And how does it feel to be the guest this time and, and not the host of your show? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm looking forward to what questions you throw my way. This should be fun. It should be a lot of fun. And for those listening, we're, again, going to be talking about financial uh, aptitude and, and planning. So if I were to poll, if I were walking down the street, right, and, and polling five millennials and asking them, what's their definition of financial planning? I'm pretty sure I'd get 10 different definitions <laughs> and five iterations of, uh, I don't know, let me check Google. So right. <laughs> let's set the, t the table here, Kate. Could you give us a clear definition on what financial planning is? Yeah. And, and, you know, to a certain extent, it's actually fair that everybody has a different definition because everybody's situation is unique. And one of the places that everybody should start is by acknowledging that life expectancies are increasing in the U.S. Now, I know there's plenty of reason, you know, we all we all watch the news, even if you don't watch it or read it on the Internet, stuff seeps in. We all know there's bad stuff going on in the world. We all know that there's reason to be concerned about things geopolitically happening on the international stage. But you know what? It's actually safer to assume that the worst in that sense is not going to happen. So everybody, everybody listening to this should plan that they may live to 100. That's the bottom line right there. Because the number of people living to 100 increased by about 43% between 2000 and 2014. And then if you even scale it down a few years, the number of people living into their 90s is increasing rapidly. So for a person who is a millennial, who is of, of that generation where you're in the workforce now, you know, I understand people's expenses are high. Most people don't save a lot of money when they're young. That was true of the boomer generation, too, for the most part. 
but you really, really have to think ahead. And when you're asking what the what the definition of financial planning is, okay, what kind of lifestyle do you want to sustain? You know, Joey, I don't want to ever talk to a person who's 65 years old and is getting ready to retire. And I don't want to have to say to that person, you better start enjoying ramen noodles at this point in your life. You know, that's that's kind of what we want to prevent. We want people to be able to enjoy a nice lifestyle. Think about living a very long time. It's also kind of you know, there's this thing that people say, and it's very flippant. They say, oh, I'll just work till I drop. Now, I kind of get it. Like for the things like that you and I are doing, you know, we enjoy our work. It's a lot of fun to be doing, doing podcasts, meeting with people, being an entrepreneur. But, you know, at some point, I mean, think about this, Joey. Do you really envision yourself doing this at 85 years old? I don't even envision having all of my teeth at 85 years old. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And I know I'm throwing the questions back to you as the podcast host here, but you know, but that is the kind of thing is is I think people have to think there will be a time at some point where either you know, you just you're just tired and want to take a break and want to travel and want to enjoy yourself a little bit more and not have to worry about working to put a roof over your head, right? Um or, you know, unfortunately for many people, there comes that day when they're just physically unable to do it or or perhaps, uh, you know, some kind of, of dementia sets in. And, you know, I know by the time you're 85, Joey, I think the meds will be a lot better. And, and hopefully, you know, the science is getting better all the time. And that is actually a really good point for the millennials to keep in mind. Their chances of living a long time are actually going up because medical science is getting better. And there are conditions that killed people a generation or two ago. And today you basically pop a pill. So right. this is really, really something to consider. And I'm not trying to freak out somebody who's 30 years old and listening to this. In fact, what I'm trying to say is you have time on your side. That's the place to start with your financial planning. Start saving now. And just one other thought to wrap this up. And I know you've heard this a million times, but the younger you are, you have the advantage of compounding. Time is on your side. So, you know, you can even invest a little bit today and start stashing money away in a 401k or an IRA. And even if you put in less money, you're going to be better off than the person who starts at age 50, just because time is on your side. Okay, we are dealing, our generation is dealing with a lot of things that compete for their wallet. Yep. We have the student loan generation where people told us, oh, go to college, get these loans. And, I'm, and I know you've, you've heard this story time and time again, and I'm sure you've written about it time and time again. But so much is competing for our wallet. Why is it important to prioritize the saving over some of the other either luxuries or even necessities that we that we have in life? Yeah, it's not easy. I get that. I mean, you know, we're in this era now where, let's be honest, a smartphone is not a luxury. I would argue that it is a necessity. So, Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think most people would. So, you know, it, it's one thing to sort of, sort of, uh, as some older people do, I think sort of, sort of mock what people are spending their money on today. But, you know, that old the old advice and it, you've heard it, too. We all have pay yourself first. It is true. And I get it. It's really hard, even if it's something everybody. Here, here's what I'm trying to say. Everybody can go through their expenses 
and say, okay, here's something I'm paying for that I can probably cut back. Uh, You know, maybe if there's some kind of online membership that you're paying for, like a course or some kind of group, you know, a lot of these are kind of pay by the month for access to some kind of online business coaching or something like that. If it's something that you haven't logged on to in six months, do you need to stop? Do you need to keep paying the monthly membership? You know, maybe uh, maybe cut back on on going out to eat. And I know that's, you know, again, fewer people are cooking at home. More of us are going out to eat. I get that. Uh, But maybe if you can trim that budget back by a few dollars a week. The old cliche about buy buy fewer Starbucks and put that money away. I mean, at at some point, if you're just trying to save, trying to get a foothold, that really does add up. Let me actually, I want to refer your listeners to an article, and I just I just thought of this. I didn't send you a link, and I could do this later, but uh, I did an article for U.S. News and World Report a couple years ago with a fellow named Thomas Frank, and he's in his 20s. I think he was 23 at the time. He's probably about 25 now. Uh, he's actually the host of Listen Money Matters podcast. He uh, gave me great detail on how, at age 23, what he was doing to save and invest. I mean, it's like a blueprint for millennials to figure out how to do this. One thing that Thomas did, and I believe he still does, he lives in Iowa. He lives in a cheap place. Now, I get it. If a person listening to this is in San Francisco, (laughs) you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's right. That's exactly right. But, but you might think, do I need to keep living in San Francisco? Right? I I mean, I think all of this is up for grabs when you want to think about your lifestyle and you have to balance it. I mean, if you're young and you're having fun and you're in the big city, I get it. You don't want to go out to some small town where it's just boring as all can be. Uh, But there are things I would say everything in one's life is up for grabs when it comes to reevaluating and figuring out how does this all fit into my long-term future. Yeah, Kate, cost of living is a huge component of the finances that you keep at the end of the month. And as you were talking about, you know, cutting back on Starbucks and the the online subscription that you have that you might be able to cut out, you know, I I started to think about something that I share with, uh, with my friends about how businesses are getting smarter at learning how to take your money in a sneaky way. And a, a good <laughs> yeah. example of that is, um, you know, there, there was a time where we would go to the store and we'd actually buy our cell phones outright and we'd pay a fee and that was it. There were no additional costs. But now marketers at cell phone companies have been incredibly sneaky and incredibly cunning at, uh, mm. uh, at making you think it's, it's the best thing in the world to lease your phone. Yep. So we have these programs where get your iPhone and only pay X amount of dollars a month and upgrade whenever you want after a year. Well, you know, that sounds cool. Like I get to have the latest iPhone 10 or 15 or 20 or whatever. We'll, <laughs> the we'll X. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the right. X, the Y, the LV, yeah. you know, it's like, like Super Bowl or Roman, Roman mm-hmm. numerals. Um, <laughs> But, but, you know, it's, it sounds good, but then you just, it's a perpetual cost. You will always have that $99 coming out of your account. You always have that $126 coming out of your account, as opposed to the days where we could just pay outright. And then you could take the, your next month's 
you know, potential uh, cell phone bill and put that into into a retirement account or into a savings, mm-hmm. savings vehicle. So I, I just think it's incredibly well. What, what are your thoughts about about what I just said? Oh, couldn't agree more. And that's so evident in so many areas of our lives. Everything, so many things have become subscription based, haven't they? Yes. And and that works really well for the marketer because, you know, you're on autopilot. You just give them your credit card number and every month they automatically take the payment. Yes, it's convenient. And I, I think for some things, it's probably a good thing, like your utilities. Okay. My utilities are set up on auto pay. And I think that's a really good thing because it means the electric bill is never going to go unpaid, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, something like that, uh, just because I forgot about it, you know, uh, because I got busy. And I think something like that is probably good, but I think you're absolutely right, is you might want to go through and review what's on auto pay. You know, we talked to some clients about this yesterday, Joey, and and they were uh, boomers, folks in their 60s. And I think regardless of your age, this is true if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 80s, I don't care how old you are. Periodically, maybe a couple times a year, every quarter, whatever, you know, every so often, go through your bills and go through and see, is there anything there I can cut out? You know, is there is there some online subscription that I ordered that I'm just no longer reading? You know, is there something I'm not using anymore? I, I think everybody has has things that creep in like that, that we can all periodically go through. So I would recommend that as a first step for people who are looking for maybe some area in their life where they can cut out some expenses and, and potentially start stashing away a little money. Um, so that would be one thing. So I totally agree with you. Yeah, that exists. Yeah. So we are in the subscription generation. A lot of people are finding creative ways to take out $5 at a time, $10 yep. at a time in ways that um, that that are different than our, our parents and grandparents generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so that's from a, a budgeting perspective. And um, just if you're tuning in just now uh, onto the podcast, I am joined on the air with Kate Stotler, who is the founder of Better Money Decisions, and she's also a columnist at all the great sites that you know about that talk about money. If, if there's a money conversation, she's there writing about it. So, uh, but, but we talk about budgeting for a bit, but what's the difference between investing and retiring in this era for millennials versus our parents and grandparents' generation? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the biggest thing is just keep thinking about longevity. Keep thinking about it. You know, back when Social Security, and I know for millennials, it's like Social Security, what? (laughs) But, you know, because it's just so far in the future. We know that as a number, not as like a dollar or a savings plan or something like that. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's right. And, you know, it may change by the time uh, the millennial generation, uh, you know, is in their 60s and is ready to claim their benefit. But, you know, just for the sake of discussion today, let's just assume still going to be around. Um, you know, back in the 1930s when it started, the average life expectancy in the United States was 65. And guess what? Social Security age was 65. So it meant that fewer people were actually claiming the benefit. So, you know, I'm not going to go down the path of whether it's solvent or not. Or that, that's sort of not the point of this. The point of this is to say, look, you know, this idea of people thinking, 
I'm going to keel over dead at 65. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, if you're millennials, you know, you probably have grandparents that are pretty well into, you know, their 70s, 80s, maybe even 90s at this point. A lot of folks listening, their parents are probably in their 50s or 60s. And if you think about that, you know, you might go, okay, yeah, you know, my mom is 65 and she's going strong, you know, so you got to think, okay, I'm going to be the same way. That is, that is really something to assume. So that is just the biggest, biggest thing when it comes to investing for the millennials. Now, I would advise people, and I run across people all the time. My gosh, I met with a guy yesterday who's 34 years old, and he's been saving some money just in uh, investment accounts. He has a great job. He's in the military, um, has, you know, really very, he's a very accomplished person, a professional, but he was not contributing to his government savings plan, the what's called the thrift savings plan for federal government employees. So, you know, whether or not you work for a government, if you work for a, a private company, if there's any kind of retirement plan, a 401k, a 403b, I beg everybody who's listening to this, please contribute to it, please. And do not consider that that's money that you can go and tap into because you want to quit your job in a year. Just please invest in your employer-sponsored plan. Let it grow. Leave it alone. Let it grow. Let it grow. I feel like mm-hmm. Elsa. Let it grow. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's oh, good. Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my singing voice is not. So we will <laughs> move right along. We will move right along. Well, um, another thing that makes investing such a, a, a sticky wicket there is that um, there's a lot of statistics around speculation in the market and mm-hmm. how the companies that we know and love today are not going to be around uh, in the future. And it can be challenging knowing, challenging knowing where to invest. There was, a, there was a recent Forbes article that said in 2010, um, Forbes produce like their their ten stocks to invest in because they'll last a decade, and mm-hmm. then the uh, ten years later in in um, so it was written in two thousand. They reevaluated it in two thousand ten, and that portfolio actually dropped seventy four percent. Well, there yeah, I, this is I love this question, love this. Uh, there's a couple things there. First of all, a lot of these folks who are journalists, they're not your financial advisor. Okay, they're doing articles like that to get clicks, to generate great headlines, great ad revenue. The person writing those articles, I guarantee you, they don't know. They're just they're just kind of pulling these out of thin air somewhere about 90 percent of the time. Um, Now, it is true that of the original Dow stocks from, you know, decades ago, I think it was like the 1920s. Again, this is one of these things you can easily Google. Um, Of the original Dow stocks, so, you know, 30 large cap American stocks, of the original group, only one remains, and that's General Electric. And even that company, Joey, is quite different than it was, you know, 100 years ago. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Talk about rebranding. They're into so many different things now. Oh, right, right. Like all the aircraft engines. I mean, it's a whole, whole different thing than it used to be. Um, And they went through the finance thing. But, you know, it's sort of the lesson of that is, yes, 
companies go out of business, they get acquired. I mean, that's what happens a lot. That's how companies disappear a lot is not that they went bankrupt or belly up. It's that they were actually successful and they were acquired by other companies. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, times change. My dad worked for Eastman Kodak for 31 years. And that company is absolutely a shadow of itself today. It's not even remotely the same business because they couldn't keep up with technology. You know, I talked to a lady yesterday who said that a few years ago, you know, about a, well, I guess back in 2000, 2001, she did a little presentation for investors and she was touting a particular stock. And two months later, it totally tanked. That stock was Enron. So the, yeah. So that highlights the folly of trying to pick single stocks. And I think you used the word a few minutes ago about speculating, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, the best way to invest, and it's so simple, it's so cheap, you want to just buy index funds or some kind of passively managed funds. My firm, we use dimensional fund advisors, very inexpensive mutual funds, You want low turnover in the funds. You want to own a wide basket of stocks, both internationally and in the U.S. You want big companies. You want small companies. You know, if you're just starting out, something like Betterment is really good for uh, for folks that just want an ETF portfolio that is allocated for you and you own all these different asset classes. Very, very cheap. That's a great way to go. I love Betterment. Uh, That's what I use. Do you? Okay, good for you. That's awesome. I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, You know, Vanguard has a pretty cheap platform. There are some other ones. Um, You know, I would suggest for folks that are in their 20s and 30s, probably up till you're about in your mid-40s, most of the time, you don't really need to be working with an advisor. Uh, You know, now, that changes if, say, you're 30 years old and you inherit a bunch of money. That changes. You know, or say you're a ridiculously high earner in Silicon Valley or something that changes. But for most folks who are, you know, younger than about maybe 45 years old, just save, just save. If you have children, stash money away in a 529 for your kid's education. I mean, those are the big pieces of advice. Save for your own retirement, stash away some money for your kid's education And then when you turn about 45, 46, then you can start thinking about, okay, what do my long-term financial planning needs look like? So I think the, you know, the advice for younger folks, save, just keep saving. Just keep saving. Yep. Just keep saving. Yep. Excellent. That's, uh, that's, uh, great advice that you're sharing and we're coming to a close here. I've got to run to my next appointment. But how can people contact you and learn more about your business, some of the articles you're writing? How can they continue that conversation with you? Yeah, happy to chat with any of the listeners. The website is bettermoneydecisions.com. And I'm easy to reach, Kate, K-A-T-E, at bettermoneydecisions.com. And we also have a Facebook page, Better Money Decisions. And you can log on there, like the page. And we post a lot of stuff up there, uh, some of the articles that I do, that the other folks do. So a lot of good information there as well. Thanks, Kate. And we'll drop those links in the show notes for those listening. And also a, a link to your podcast as well. I know you're going to rebrand, but I really want people to to consume a lot of your content now. So we'll, we'll do that too. That'd be great. Thank you. Excellent. And for you listening, thank you for joining us on the Business Life & Coffee podcast, where every conversation makes you a better entrepreneur and win in life beyond business. 
Be sure to leave a five-star review on iTunes if you like the show. And find me on Twitter and Instagram at JoeyVPriceHR to take the conversation further. Until next time. If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at? Only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems. Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country, according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at JumpstartHR. Jumpstart HR, let's build a better business together.